Hello, and welcome back to Measuring Violence. I'm your host, Elle Rochford. I'm a postdoctoral researcher with the University of Delaware's Center for the Study and Prevention of Gender-Based Violence. This is an academic podcast exploring violence, violence advocacy, prevention, and research. This week, we are doing part two of our conversation with student advocates. Sexual assault on college campuses is obviously a very thorny issue, and the university is not just one thing. It's made up of multiple component parts. And so it can be a tricky subject to talk about because we want to honor all of the work being done to prevent sexual assaults on campus while still highlighting how much more needs to be done. I want to remind our listeners that our guests this week are not professional researchers. They are student advocates with firsthand knowledge of the student experience on campus. Part of what makes talking about sexual assault so difficult are the many stories in the media scrutinizing sexual assault victims rather than the perpetrators. We had Me Too, and then we saw a backlash to Me Too, which we are currently in. There's also a lot of pressure on victim survivors to disclose. Uh, The idea of disclosure as activism has really increased in the last few years via social media. My research largely is digital sociology, and this is something we see a lot in both gender-based violence research, but also in LGBTQ research. Uh, Disclosure as activism refers to the idea that telling your story in and of itself is activism. And while that can be true, Because of the nature of social media and the media cycles in general, a lot of these stories are monetized by people other than the victims and survivors. Uh, So apps uh, or news companies, right, are, are profiting off these very traumatizing stories, particularly as, you know, the more traumatizing and salacious the details, the better the story might do. And so this can really put pressure on survivors and people with marginalized identities to disclose what happened to them. Or there may be feelings of guilt if they don't feel ready to publicly speak about what's going on. So talking about sexual assault is is often a minefield of conflicting interests, different approaches, and different expectations. And so I really want to give a lot of kudos to our student advocates for wanting to talk about this topic and uh, for really diving into some of these thorny issues. The other issue uh, is often uh, victim survivors are cautioned against speaking about their experiences for fear of litigation, uh, civil suits. Even if a lawsuit is completely frivolous, victims might be bullied into not talking about their experiences because they're afraid they might be sued. And we see this, right? That a hugely influential story in the media was the what became really a litigation of Amber Heard, but was actually about Johnny Depp, right? So Johnny Depp sued for defamation because Amber Heard discussed herself as a victim of domestic violence. She did not name any names. She just identified herself as a victim survivor. The judgment is, I think, widely misunderstood, but the allegations of her experiences of violence were actually upheld. The degree to which... It's a thorny topic, and I I recommend people uh, read uh, particularly feminist takes on that trial and read up on the legal precedents that it may or may not have set. Um, But all this to say is in this backdrop, we have very young college students who are trying to navigate 
a very political topic, but a very personally traumatizing topic as well. So we're going to jump back in. If you haven't listened to part one, I recommend you go back and do that. Uh, But we are talking to Shana Demick and Danny Tull of The Review. Check out Shana's piece, her editorial piece on Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Check out Danny Tull and Shana Demick's work at The Review. Uh, It is a student-run paper, and you can find us Uh, on the homepage for the Center for the Study and Prevention of Gender-Based Violence, or by searching Measuring Violence in your podcast apps. Please like, review, subscribe. Uh, Anything really helps circulate podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and please be aware we do discuss sexual assault frequently uh, in this episode, as well as in part one. Uh, So I just want to provide that content warning if you're interested in looping back to part one. We're going to jump back into the interview with a conversation about mandatory reporters. If you don't work or live on a college campus, you may not be familiar with this term. It is a policy, legally enforceable, that certain people who work with uh, vulnerable populations must report child abuse and sexual assault. If a college professor is aware one of their students has been assaulted, they must report that to the university. There are some exemptions for uh, health center staff, but in general, staff and faculty at universities must report sexual assaults. One of the other things that strikes me is that uh, most faculty and staff on a university campus are mandatory reporters, mm-hmm. uh, which means if you disclose a sexual assault happening you know, to you or someone on campus, they have to run it up the chain with the exception of, of healthcare providers um, and a few other like very specific positions. And so it's it's unclear to me if faculty are consistently trained on that. And it's really unclear if students know about all of this. Um, and it, what it sounds like is that it really depends on who is doing your orientation or where you're getting your information. Some students may be really well aware and some students may have no idea these resources exist. Definitely. I I only recently was made aware of all the resources on campus and I wish that I I knew more about them and I wish that more people knew about them because I feel like even I know more than a lot of people on this campus and I know that there's are so many resources out there that I haven't been made aware of so I can't imagine how students who are just fully out of touch with these issues like what they even know about what they have access to this uh for non-UD listeners there was a very high profile case of sexual violence at the university I think two years ago or last year 2021 is what I'm saying yeah October of 2021 where I think she was like held hostage for a day is that the case or no it's unfortunate there have been multiple cases. I remember there was one where someone was spray painted and then pushed down a stairwell. That was this one. This was the October yeah, of 2021. It, it, got, it was pretty brutal. And that was, I feel like a lot of people were more upset than like usual because like that's a, a crime. Like that's very bad. That's like people in real life would be arrested and like locked up. And I think, did this guy get a fine or something or just exposed? Well, and this is real life, right? This is your real life. And that's what's so weird about it. It's like, no, this is, but I feel like because of protections, then people are able to get away with certain things. And it's like, in real life, no, you wouldn't get away with this. Like, you would be arrested and, like, locked up for years because that's, like, an assault. You can't do that. That's wrong. Well, and it seems like it's so dark to think that it has to be so egregious and so newsworthy Mm -hmm for people to get that riled up about an incident because sexual violence is so 
ubiquitous on a college campus. I mean, you were saying that it happens basically every weekend, Mm -hmm. which is true across the U.S., And it is like, it does just seem baffling that I don't know why it it seems like a problem that goes beyond the university, but it is treated as something that like university administrators should be dealing with, even when these are crimes, as you're saying. Another thing in regards to just general safety on campus that I think the university really falls short with is who enters, monitoring who enters residence Mm -hmm. halls, because I've been to a lot of different universities and pretty much at all those universities I've seen at residence halls, they have either students or security guards working the, um, by the entrances to collect IDs. There's check-in, check-out for visitors and guests. So anybody who doesn't live there, um, they have to hand in their ID until they leave. And so there's full transparency on who's entering and exiting and making sure that the people who are supposed to enter are entering and so many times there's been so many emails that I've gotten about UD alerts about sexual assaults occurring in residence halls and I don't know if this would necessarily help the issue but this would definitely help limit the amount of unwelcomed guests entering residence halls and I'm just confused as to why we are one of the few universities that doesn't have this you can they said I think in response to the unwanted visitors that have uh, entered residence halls, uh, UD Alerts just said, be vigilant of who you're letting in behind you, as if we are the ones who are supposed to resolve this issue, and it shouldn't be on us. We cannot make sure that the door isn't held open for a group of people. Mm -hmm. If you see a group of people at your residence hall, the nice thing you're going to do is hold the door open for them because you're not going to be like, you don't live here. You can't be in here. Like, who am I to question somebody who wants to get inside my residence hall? That's not on me. And you don't always know, like, because I don't know everyone in my building. Like, there are so many different people. I know maybe my floor, and then if I have a couple friends on, like, other floors, I would know them. But, like, I don't know everyone there, so... If someone's at the door and they want to get in, I'm going to let them in if I'm going in because I'm like, hey, oh, this person probably like has something going on in here because like usually you wouldn't expect someone who doesn't to like come into the hall. However, yeah, you do have to be a little bit more vigilant, which is like nervous because like you're like, oh, I just let someone in. Is something bad going to happen? And like I worry about that all the time. Like sometimes like I'll try to wait to see like if they're going to pull out their ID and then I'm like, oh, okay, I got you because like you clearly know you're gonna like be able to get in with your id but you just it's nice to hold the door open for someone whereas like if someone's just standing out there like i'll look at them and like if they come my way i'm going to assume that they have a reason for being here but i don't always know and that's like kind of the nerve-wracking thing you just don't always know when it sounds like the amount of anxiety this is producing among the students because you get the sense that the university is going to allow, you know, violent men on campus and that you're going to be held responsible for stopping them from being violent towards you. But it doesn't seem like a lot of time and energy is being spent on getting violent people off campus or educating people who would otherwise maybe not engage in sexual violence. So, I mean, it does sound frightening to just be on campus and feel like, you're the last line and the only line of defense against sexual violence. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's weird because, like, I feel like if we had these, like, conversations with, like, all types of people, maybe then they would, like, have the information, they would have time to think about decisions they make before they make them. 
But also, I also know people... There are bad people. You can't get rid of bad people. I wish you could, but you can't. Like, you can get rid of them off your premise, but, like, you can't... There's always going to be some bad person that's going to be around. And it's just... I wish they, it was as simple as, like, oh, you take this class, and then, oh, my whole mindset has changed. Like, I'm not going to do any more, like, assaults or anything like that, and then they can go on about their day. But then you also have to think, well, they hurt a victim. They did something bad to someone else, and now their life is affected, not just the person who is being prosecuted. So you have to think about all these different things, and I think UD, it would just be helpful if, like, they were on the same page as the students. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wish when these things happened that more was done to reassure students. Um, when these UD alerts are sent out, there's not really much done immediately after in terms of resources like we have like the april sexual assault awareness month emails but like where are these when there's a ud alert sent out every week about some kind of violence occurring against a student where are the resources being sent out immediately after because if these resources are so readily available it shouldn't be that difficult to be like here's attached list of Mm -hmm. all the resources and support you can have on campus and ways to ensure that you feel safe but no they don't do that and they only do it it's only done when it appears there's an obligation to do so, mm-hmm. and it should seem more intrinsically motivated. The people who work at this university should, if they truly do care about the student's safety, they should make it seem like they care. And right now, these emails, these the, these messages that we're getting, it doesn't make it seem like the university actually cares, and it's more just a pressure to make themselves appear as if they're doing more than they're actually doing. And UD Alert in general, even like, stepping a little bit away from like the gender based violence like when it comes to the christiana mall shooting and it came to like every week um i feel like we get like a a alert about like oh something happened where there was like a shooting on main street or Mm -hmm. something like that or like we have like something called the bb gun bandit um and then like the water pistol um issues like of last semesters it becomes very like hard to kind of trust ud alert just because, like, they're super vague with what they say. Like, it's one statement and then they're done. And I think maybe having some more background information or, like, saying, oh, keep posted. We will give you more information or something like that, which they may do. But I feel like it's not, like, clear enough now. Yeah. So for listeners who aren't on UD campus, we get text alerts or email alerts anytime there's an incident. But the incidents can range from these water BBs. They're like water pellets. Um, So essentially, you know, someone is shooting a water gun on Main Street. And then in the same hour, you might get an alert that someone that there's been a domestic violence incident with a weapon. So there's no sort of differentiation between types of harm and scale of harm. But then uh, the Christiana Mall shooting uh, was a mall uh, a few miles away from campus, uh, had an active shooter. And the university didn't really respond to that. And so there's no sense of consistency. Uh, so these UD alerts just sort of get ignored. And so that this is actually something that um, is talked about pretty widely on campus, um, that these UD alerts are at best unhelpful and at worst really traumatizing when you get an alert every weekend that someone's been sexually assaulted, but you have no other context. It, it's just a traumatizing and frustrating experience 
Especially when we get an email about domestic violence occurring and sexual assault occurring and the email ends with like this person hasn't been identified or this uh, person hasn't been found. Like, and then there's no follow-up information sent out. Like, I know that there are very strict regulations for what is sent out in UD Alerts, but the fact is that UDPD does have a page where there are updates on these crimes. And so maybe the UD Alerts won't provide that information, but they could at least make students aware that if you're invested in knowing, like, the outcome of the situation and you want to know that this person has been caught... Like, you can refer to this part of the UDPD page to keep uh, track of the police log, but nobody knows about that. I just learned about this the other week, and I know that UD Alerts has those regulations, but the university could still make sure that students who want to know what is happening with crime, which is so valid, students should be aware of the crimes happening on campus, those resources, this information should be readily available to them. Absolutely. Um, so what is one kind of takeaway that you want listeners to walk away with? And then what's one thing that's been kind of giving you joy or making you feel optimistic? So let's end with something actionable. And then how are you taking care of yourselves? Well, definitely, I want to see more in terms of resources. I would like them to be more compacted, um, maybe like online handbooks. I think that more work should be put into regularly providing resources and regularly addressing these issues and doing so very thoroughly. That's definitely what I want to see. I then I also want to see more resources provided in terms of safe transportation and safety in buildings, outside of buildings, on this campus in general. Um, but I have been, with my experience especially, I have been pleasantly surprised with the support that I can receive if I reach out for it, mm-hmm. but I wish that that didn't happen. have to happen for me to feel supported on campus because, you know, these university employees were obligated to support me, but I wish I had felt supported beforehand as well. Maybe, well, just reflecting, I think everything we talked about, like, is very important, very, I don't know if it will happen immediately, but, like, should be like talked about a little bit but personally i just feel like when it comes to communication and how like ud is reaching out to students for these type of emails definitely keep it separated than from the general newsletters like i feel like if you mix it together it's going to be too muddy and also very broad because you have like all this different information happening in one page but also maybe have a personal touch to it if i don't know if they would do this but like have um, maybe have someone who has experienced sexual assault handle those conversations if they feel comfortable with it or like even get like a professional who knows how to handle that and write these emails and like have a personal like touch to it so that students know there's a person behind it, not just like some random general UD umbrella person just like, oh, yada, 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 we as a university. No, it's someone who actually cares who we could talk to, we could reach out to, um, just it needs to be a little bit more personal, I feel like. And yeah. that's my takeaway. Well, and it, I'm sure it's jarring to see sort of sexual assault awareness month being treated the same as like Irish American Heritage Month. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I think that's a really good note to take. And then to end on, um, we're, we're recording towards the end of the semester. How are you kind of investing in your own rest and well-being? Um, I've definitely been 
uh, leaning on my peers for support. I feel that I've found a great community on the paper and just in the other student groups I'm involved in on campus. And I feel very safe within those groups. I trust my peers. I love my friends very much. Um, so they've been supporting me just in everything that I experience at the university. So in general, I've definitely had a great experience because of all the people I've been surrounded by. Um, just going to different activities, like taking time for myself. Honestly, working at the review is kind of my way of um, relaxing and just like <laughs> handling situations. Like it's writing articles that I'm interested in and not the monotony of like my schoolwork that like, I'm invested in but like can sometimes be a little bit brain crunching and then also like the other day it was like a spur of a moment thing me and my friend we were talking and we got like a alert or saw on UDL events um that there was a plate smashing um, oh yeah thing, yeah um for stress relief so I went wrote down all my like stressors on the plate and smashed it and like it helped a little bit I'm not gonna lie like it's it's allowing yourself to like physically take out like your frustration on like this object that if you damage it, it won't hurt. It won't have like lasting consequences, but it gets your frustration out there. So definitely doing activities that allow you to take out your frustration productively. I think awesome. spending time with my loved ones has definitely been uh, what's been keeping me going at this point in the semester, stepping back from all stressors to do fun things and yeah. go to activities on campus. That's definitely super helpful. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And thank you to the listeners. Please check out our different links in the bio. And then where can people read the review? If you just go to the review, the UD Review website. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's the UD Review dot com. We also will have newspapers. Uh, we'll try to push to have them outside of the review upstairs so that, like, if you want to grab them, you could. They're also, like, always spread around campus, like, on countertops um, in designated newspaper um, drop-offs. Yeah. So. Yeah. You can find our, our newspapers all around campus. You can find them um, at the front of Perkins. You can find them in Trabant. You can find them in Memorial. You can find them in the library. Every month we release... Um, a print newspaper. So those are constantly available around campus. And we just released our first magazine. Ah. So you can also find those in the student centers on campus. Well, that's excellent. All right. Thank you so much. A special thanks to Manelli Marcelino for the intro and outro music on this podcast. And a special thank you to the University of Delaware Center for the Study and Prevention of Gender-Based Violence.